Hello folks, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is the Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism, where I'm the executive director and have been for the last 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about us, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. The other ministry is the Ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, where I'm the Bible teacher, and this is the word that we feed on. Today, we're considering further our topic of new life, being born again, being regenerated. It's all the same thing. And here's what we've considered so far. Number one, regeneration is an internal work where God makes us whole new persons by putting his life in us. Number two, it is to this regenerate person that the New Testament primarily speaks. It was written to members of the Church of God who are assumed to have come into this experience of new birth. So when the epistles write to us instructing us on how to live, they're not saying do this to be a Christian. They're saying this is what a changed person does. And today we consider point number three. A person with this new life within them finds that life expressing itself out from them in consistent ways. Go to Titus chapter 2, and let's read verses 11 through 14. There you have the new life as it looks coming out of the life of a person. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Actually, I could almost randomly take you to the first one or two chapters of any of the epistles and find an example like this. Here's what Paul says to Titus. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, he's not saying that there's a book that you can read that tells you how to live. He's saying that the salvation that God brings to you, that's come into you, is instructing you internally in these ways. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, you should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And there in reading that, you have some of the traits of a regenerate person. Where others are just going along with the latest thing and the latest thought and the next cultural fancy or the next political ideal, this regenerate person is focused on a serious commitment to do what is right before God and to act in ways that are expressive of God's will and God's own character. He's getting his cues from what he's seeing and learning in God as Father. God is true, He wants to be true. God is good, He wants to be good. God is a God of grace and He wants to live a gracious life. God forgives and He wants to learn to be a forgiving person. God is holy. The regenerate person wants to be holy. It's in their hearts. and He he sees this boiling up within them and also He's driven by it by the cues of what He sees in God Himself. And as they live in this way, as they're seeking to see Christ form more and more in their life, they find that the perspective on life is changing. They are living more and more with the hope of the future return of Jesus Christ. That's where their eye is fixated upon, when Christ will return. A day when Christ will right all wrongs and redeem all things unto Himself. This is not just a change of mind, is it? 
This is a change of character. This is a change of character to such an extent that we can say, and the Bible does say, this is a whole new creature. This is just some of the consistent ways in which this life begins to express itself in the regenerate man. In 1 John, the author of 1 John says that the new man doesn't continue in sin. He doesn't keep on sinning. A new pattern of life develops in his life so that when he does fail and when he does sin, it's as if it's an isolated event in his life. But it's not the consistent pattern of his life. The consistent pattern of his life is he wants to be more and more like his Savior and he wants to follow him and God is changing him and he's growing and maturing. There's a word, by the way, that doesn't make sense unless you understand the doctrine of regeneration. Maturity. Christian maturity. Growth. That's what happens to someone who's been born. Someone who's been born again. They grow. If you see a person who's not growing, he claims to be a Christian and he's where he was a long time ago, you might wonder, maybe they've never been born again. Oftentimes when you sit down with an individual who claims to be a Christian, but they've been in a chronic state of failure for a long period in their life, I might put a little graph before them, and I'll say, well, tell me, what's the date when you gave your life to Christ, or think you became a Christian? They give me that date, and I write that date down, and I write down on the end, of, draw a line across, and write the date that we're at at that point in time, and then on this scale here, I write, you know, 1 through 10, a judgment of your spiritual life and energy and powers. And would you express to me and graph out for me something of your spiritual journey from 1 to 10, 10 being high and growth and excellence and 1 being fairly low? Graph it out for me. And so they go to that day when they receive Christ, oftentimes, and you see they mark it around a 7 or an 8, and, and then they might bump up to about an 8.5, and, and then all of a sudden it starts going down and descending, and it goes down lower and lower and lower until they come to the date we're at at that time when we're talking. And have to ask a question. And if this is the testimony of your life and the pattern of your life, and we know that when a person has been born again that there's this consistent pattern of change in their life, what may have really happened to you at that moment? Maybe God was convicting you. Maybe God was speaking in your life. Maybe God was trying to avert you to himself, but the transaction wasn't complete. You didn't come before him and present your life before him completely and you didn't repent of all your sins and you didn't savingly put all of your hope and trust in Christ alone and let him come in, ask him to come in and occupy you and change you. You weren't born again. Let's start there. Let's start with new birth and regeneration before we get counsel on how you ought to live. Let's look at a fourth thing here we have. As we've said it, regeneration is not reformation. Reformation is an external change of our conduct without changing our character. Regeneration is an external change in our conduct because of an internal change in our character. Reformation, I can change my conduct without changing my character. Regeneration, my conduct changes because my character changed. I was internally changed by something God did in my life. Much of what is written in Christian literature today is actually addressing acts of reformation things that we ought to know and things that we ought to do in order to live better lives, more productive lives, more Christian lives. They're not altogether unhelpful books. In fact, the advice that's given in many of these books can be very helpful if they're received as counsel by a regenerate person. But most of them really don't address this change that God brings about in the life of a person and the power that comes upon a person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ at salvation, that power that 
makes them a whole new being. And because they don't begin with an appeal towards that change in their life, instead they try to develop strategies and systems of behavior modification. Because they don't address this change, they're doomed to fail. They're doomed not to produce the kind of life that they're aiming to produce. They're doomed to actually produce, if a person really believes what they're reading and takes hold of the advice they're giving, they tend to produce very legalistic, program-oriented, do-and-don't type of individuals, but not individuals who are expressive of the transformation that Jesus Christ brings in the life. And you can become quite legalistic about how you raise your kids. You can become quite legalistic about how you manage your money. You can be quite legalistic about how you deal with addictions in your life or another person's life and not be addressing the point at which real power is unleashed upon a man or this world and it's when the Spirit of God comes and transforms us and lives within us. There's an author that I actually like a lot. He writes a lot on Christian disciplines, disciplines of prayer and fasting and meditation, scripture reading, disciplines like church attendance and fellowship. He would say that the reason we have such sloppy Christianity today is that Christians are not exercising themselves in the disciplines. They're not fasting enough. They don't practice and put out in their lives times of quietude. They're not spending enough time meditating upon the Word of God. They're not ordering their lives to be faithful in enduring periods of prayer. They are forsaking the assembling of themselves together except for when it's convenient for themselves in their day. And as a result, we have these very sloppy Christians and this very sloppy form of Christianity. And I don't really want to argue with him. I mean, that makes sense. And I think to some extent that's true. But it's a truth that is worthless. If it doesn't fall upon the ears and the heart and the minds of regenerate people. Otherwise, it'll just produce a formalism, a religiosity that has no ultimate power, although it may keep us from being so sloppy. It may make for greater efficiency. It may even prove for a period of time to work at helping us grow and even to some extent, repaint the surface of our society around us, but underneath the paint, you'll have what the Pharisees had. You know, whitened, washed sepulchers filled with dead man's bones. Unless you've been transformed. The illustration he gives, though, to talk about how important this is, and I spoke about this a number of years ago when I used this illustration when I spoke in the book of James a number of years ago. So if you remember this, this sounds, then you have a good memory. He writes and says, imagine a young boy who idolizes a baseball star and they hold the the bat the same way his star holds it. He buys the same glove that the star wears. He wears the same shoes. He tries to copy his gestures and he attempts to perform just like him. But they really can't succeed in the game of performing like the star. They fail for the reason that they have not conditioned themselves like that baseball star. They haven't spent years in development like that baseball player did. They've not shared the same healthy diet. They've not understood that this star didn't come by his abilities by deciding to behave in a certain way in a game. He came by way of a life that was spent developing his mind and his body and focusing his energies 
into that total preparation so that when the time came, his body would produce certain automatic actions and conscious expressions in the midst of a game. And that's why that young boy just can't perform. He can't just wear his star's clothes, play with his star's mitt, posture and walk around like a star and think that he's going to be a great baseball player. You see what he's saying is, the Christians are failing because they haven't developed good habits of behavior. Habits, like I said, that I would like to commend to you. I think it's right that we pray regularly, that we carve out time for quietude in our lives. I think that there is something wrong that we do not consistently in the church find times to gather together for fellowship with intent and purpose. I think these are good. He's saying that you can't live like a Christian by just wearing clothes or maintaining certain postures. You've got to practice hard if you want to live like a Christian. That's what he's saying. Now, again, I don't want to argue with this entirely, but I do want to say to you that the problem in the church today is not the problem of a failure simply to exercise ourselves in the disciplines of the Christian life. The problem in the church today is not a failure to practice. Practice. It is a failure to be born again. It's regenerate life that we need. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.